Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Derailed Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Fred. Fred, it's been a very long time since we played an 18xx game. Way too long, yes. Even longer for you. Mm. I had that one where I cheated on you in the middle yes, somewhere. Yeah, you did cheat on me, yeah. Yo, it's been a long time, hey? Mm. <laughs> so I was thinking the only... We, we like scraped the... the I don't want to say scraped the barrel because that's actually a bit rude. But <laughs> I was going to say we scraped the barrel of train games because we played a cube rails game. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we played it poorly because I screwed up the rules. <laughs> so we played a game of Chicago Express and we even debated talking about it because it didn't go very well. Yeah. I was quite keen to play it because it gets a lot of love in mm. the train game community, so to speak. But yeah, I messed up one of the... There's like four different triggers that end the game. Yes. And the one we got to first, I messed up and then it just kind of dragged out and then people were kind of over it. And it's kind of interesting because it's not that the game was unpleasant, but it was almost like because we'd gotten past that point, it had mm. lost its like tightness almost. Yes. It had lost yeah. its sort of drive and you were sort of going through the motions. It felt like the second half of a game of 1846. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it kind of felt a bit like that. So it left a little bit of a sour taste, but I think we'll definitely play it again. Yeah, we'll give it another If we can get someone to play it. <laughs> yeah, but did you did you like it? I, I thought it was okay initially. The, the main thing that bothered me a little bit, and I don't know if this is true for all the companies, because... Again, you could, like you a little bit like 18xx, you can operate companies, or as long as you have a share for a company, you can lay track for it essentially. So each company also has a limited number of trains, which is effectively their track. So you you build right, track yeah. by laying these trains out on hexes. And one of the obvious like endpoints you want to go for is Chicago, because that's where the big money is. Yes, yeah. And I took a little bit of a detour to kind of cut someone off. And then I didn't have enough trains to make it to Chicago. So I feel like you, I don't know if it's the same with the other companies, but I feel like you almost just have to make a beeline for Chicago. And that might mean that there's not that much player interaction. I don't know. There's not a lot of cutting routes off and things, it seems. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear from people who've played it a lot. So if anyone wants to write in and tell us, especially if you've played chicago express a lot we have a lot mm. of experience with it i think i'd love to hear what the interesting points in your games are and what mm. the interesting kind of decision spaces are um i liked it I, I always have the feeling with these games that like we haven't really tapped its like potential yeah i think there's a lot of little interesting overlapping intricacies and stuff so i was wondering because i remembered you're not getting to chicago and i was thinking about this game after we played it and i was wondering if part of it was not having money no, I was out of trains. Did you have enough money? I could have had enough money, yeah. Interesting. Okay, because what I thought was interesting was that Pennsylvania only had three shares. Mm. And so I thought, you bought all those shares very early. Yes. You player owned it. And that worked out well for a while, and then it sort of fell off Yeah. towards yeah, the end. Yeah, I mean, money was an issue as well, but I probably could have made a plan. But I just gave up on Chicago because when I got close-ish to it i counted my trains and counted the x's and saw that i couldn't make it anymore and right yeah yeah so I, that's the thing i'm there's kind of stuff i'm unsure about even if you did beeline there i wondered about companies that have less shares so a company mm. with only three shares would because in this game if you buy shares that money goes into the treasury mm. which is different from something like irish gauge so this is sort of similar to 18xx in a way in that you like fund the company yourself and it's an auction but whoever the highest bid is if i pay 30 dollars for a share 
that $30 goes into the treasury. Yes. Yeah. So what I thought was interesting is that I ran a company that had like six shares or something. Mm. And even I started to run out of money towards the end right. trying to get into Chicago. And I thought, what if I only had three shares to actually sell? Yeah. And how yeah. would that influence the flow? There were a few things during the game that I thought this could be interesting, mm. but then they weren't quite as interesting as maybe <laughs> we wanted them to be yeah but uh, yeah i don't know what happens whenever you play games like that i just want to play with someone who's really good at it mm. and see what they do yeah differently to us because i think we did the baseline strategy of like auctioning off shares and then like laying these little trains yeah. and then yeah yeah the biggest decision i saw was how much to pay for shares yeah the auction is obviously mm. yeah pretty crucial yeah but I think because of me messing up the in-game triggers, I think there's a lot of timing elements and stuff that we sort of mm. took out of the game as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was interesting. It was interesting enough to play again. Mm. I wasn't like blown away by it, but I thought this is good. And I think it's probably going to be, I don't know, interesting to play again. Yeah. I'm keen yeah. to try. What I liked about it is when we played Irish Gage, which probably a lot of people listening have played since that got the big release and it was sort of like hyped and whatever. Um was that there to generate revenue you had to spend an action to do it mm. what i quite liked about this was that there's three actions you can take and each time you do one this little dial moves up and once two of the dials hit the end point you reset them and generate revenue there yes yeah so yeah that was cool yeah. some control over it but you don't have to take an action to do it yeah but i suppose taking an action to do it added a whole new wrinkle in irish gauge where you could sort of do it when it was very beneficial to you but not necessarily beneficial to other people right yeah which yeah. is something it'd be a little bit harder to engineer in this but i suppose yeah you could anyway if you've played chicago express and you like love it then Tell us why. Yeah. I think I'd be really interested to hear. Yes. We'll play it again regardless and we'll, we'll kind of report back. But Yeah, we will. Yeah. yeah, I think our first play was a bit, eh. Mm. It was fine. It, it wasn't was like fine, yeah. bad, but we weren't like, yeah. wow, this is great and so interesting. And look yes. at all these decision points. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it'd be interesting to try. Mm. Yes, but we have a new patron. Yes, we do. Uh, Seth Bauer signed up recently. Thank you very much, Seth. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Seth. And He's... sorry if we got your surname wrong. We debated how to pronounce that for a little bit. <laughs> We're going with Bauer. Yeah. Oh, he's on Discord as well. So I chatted to him a bit today on Discord. So perfect. Well, and you said nice. he was from Ohio. He said Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Well, Americans putting up with the African accent. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Man, do you ever like like? My accent obviously to me doesn't sound weird, right? Yes. But it sounds super weird when it's in a movie. It sounds awful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've had that experience. If you watch like an American movie or something and some South African dude comes on, you're just like, oh, no. I think sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's someone trying to do a South African accent. Yeah. But then like freaking Arnold Foslu, the legit, comes on and then. Oh, just yeah. Like, That's true. Yeah. He mm. was the mummy in the mummy. Case, mm. you know, and every now and again, he shows up as some like warlord from like an African country. <laughs> that seems to be his go-to. Charlize Theron. That's not how you would pronounce her surname in, in South Africa, by yeah, the way. True, but yeah. she doesn't sound bad. She doesn't sound like she has a funny accent. Yeah, she got rid of Theron. Yeah. <laughs> That's because she doesn't put on a South African accent, I don't think. I think she's affecting an American one at this point. Maybe, yeah. yeah. You, It's so jarring when I hear it, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do we sound like this? It can be, yeah. Like, um, my wife is into these terrible reality shows, you know, the mm. the type. So I was watching this one with her called 90 Day Fiance, where, like, people who want, like, a green card, basically, <laughs> like, 
I don't know, like come to America and there's this visa you can get where you've got 90 days to marry someone. Okay. So if you're engaged, you get a 90-day visa to come and get married in America. And then I think you can get citizenship or residency or whatever, right? Mm. So it's always like some dude and some person from like the Philippines or whatever. But anyway, there's this African dude on there who was the guy coming into America. Oh, my word, dude. Every time he talks, I'm just like, surely, (laughs) surely this is not (laughs) what we we saw. Yeah. (laughs) terrible oh well uh, yeah but anyway so hmm. we may have screwed up bauer <laughs> yes <laughs> that was the moral of that there's story. a long way to say that yeah there's <laughs> a long way to say that exactly um we also we got 18 al from dave arlington oh yeah it arrived so uh, i've opened it up and had a look it looks like a pretty nice um print and play yeah uh, the tiles were very interesting we couldn't figure out how exactly david done the track tiles they're like not gmt thick but they're like a little bit thicker than the yes. laminated paper yeah. stuff so yeah, yeah i was quite interested with those yeah. yeah thank you very much dave hope to get to play it soon yeah. yes yeah we're yeah. gonna try and make that a priority so we can report back yeah um yeah so for anyone who doesn't know 18al is sort of touted as a good i think like a good first print and play i think it's quite accessible as a print and play i mean mm-hmm. you can find the files online um and also supposed to be a pretty good beginner game okay yeah as far as i know yeah, yeah. so definitely keen to try that yeah for sure yeah a nice weeknight game haven't been an 18xx I didn't like, except, <laughs> except maybe that Maybe one. 40, the 46. Maybe, maybe 46. <laughs> There's also a new um, 18xx podcast. I don't know if you saw. No. This is very, very new. I was, uh, I think it came out yesterday, actually. And wow. I was just listening to episode one today to kind of just get what it's about. It's called uh, Driving Trains. And I think the guy's name is Steve. I hope I'm remembering correctly. I'm sorry, steve if it's not steve <laughs> but um yeah so it's a, it's quite a cool concept so he's basically just talking strategy okay so the first episode is, is on 1824 which i haven't played so the yeah, strategy yeah. doesn't really you know make sense to me because i because i haven't played it yet um but what's cool about it is he's basically got a weekly 18xx game that takes him like an hour drive and he records this while driving to the to the game which i think is ends driving trains right which i think is a quite a cool concept so yeah i think um listening to episodes of games we've played will be interesting to see because he's got quite a bit of experience by the sounds of it so it could be cool to oh that's really see what he says about some games that we know yeah Sure. Okay. Mm, yeah. We'll learn some things from Steve, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. So it's only episode one so far, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest. That's very cool. Mm. Okay. Good luck, Steve. That sounds like a really cool idea. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you've ever really played much Magic. I think we played once upon a time. Magic the Gathering. Yes, card game. I haven't played a lot. Yeah. So the one of the guys, lead designers who's been there for forever is called Mark Rosewater. And he has like a drive to work podcast. So every day when he drives to work, okay. he records like a 20 minute podcast about like some history of magic or some like design thing that they came up with or like some fun story or whatever. Mm. So it's cool. It works well as a concept, I think. Yeah, it's a cool way to make use of that time. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. And we're all about that casual presentation. So <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure there's anything else we want to talk about before we move on to the mail. Yeah, I think so, yeah, so today, like we said, we haven't... <laughs> we haven't played anything new so it's another day of like mixed topics and just things we wanted to chat about yeah um but we'll get to that on the other side i guess okay that right there is the mail now let's talk about the mail can we talk about the mail please mac i'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day okay so we did actually get an email from dave as well 
Well, Dave and I have kind of been going back and forth because, um, yeah, we were just chatting about this delivery and how it takes a million years to get here. Mm. Um, yeah, because we had to use that career service or whatever. Um, yeah, so I was just letting him know that it came back. Um, and in my email I said, how's it, Dave? And so he said, so he said, here's my bit of a South African story for which you made me think of with the how's it greeting. So this is quite interesting. He said he's always been interested in sports board games, which is usually always American sports. But back around 2003, he decided to buy a copy of a game called International Cricket. My first question is, is this, this isn't the cricket game that we all had as kids, is it? You know the one I'm talking about with like the levers and like the, oh my word. I don't think I played that, no. Your childhood was an absolute travesty. (laughs) So there used to be this cricket game where like, it was like a green piece of felt that laid out and it was basically a dexterity game. So you had like a batsman and like it had this little thing you'd push back and forth to move the bat. And then the bowler had like a little cup and you'd put this like oh, little silver ball wow. in it. Oh, I think I vaguely remember it. Yeah. And then you like turn this arm over and this ball like rolls out and then you've got to hit it with the bat. Yes. And the bowler could arrange these fielders who had like little, uh, their, their like feet was almost. like a cup. Yes. Yeah. Like a half moon shape to catch you and stuff. Yes. So you'd like score runs. Oh, oh such wow. an amazing game. We didn't have that game, but I think I played someone else's when I was a kid. You're... It came in this like giant box, but I think it might have been called Test Match Cricket. So okay. I, I think it might not be the same one. But yeah, I'm curious what this game was like. <laughs> so this is really funny. So he got into, he decided to buy the sports board game. And then as a result, he thought, I better learn the sport she said for about 10 years or so he was totally into cricket Hmm. he would get the wisdom's cricketers almanac every year and notes that cricket writers are the best sports writers in the world and could tell you which teams were tops of the tables for tests and one day internationals so i actually agree that cricket writers are amazing i don't know if you've ever read like cricket writing i don't know how else to Mm -hmm. say that it's really really good Mm -hmm. it's actually genuinely very very good it's very cool so ESPN actually has a great cricket website, Crick Info. Um, and whenever there's a game going on, they write really good like summaries of the days and they like write about the history and stuff. They write really, really good stuff. Okay. Yeah. So he said his interest in cricket coincided with the careers of Graham Smith and Jacques Cullis. So mm. for most of people who don't really know, um, Graham Smith was a South African captain at the time. And Jacques Cullis is sort of, I guess, probably the greatest all-rounder ever. Right, yeah. In international cricket. All-rounder being that he could bowl and bat. Mm. He could do both very, very well. Um, and his stats are incredible. He had a very, very long career. Yeah, so I don't know how I'd describe cricket. I don't know if anyone really cares. I mean, it's mostly played by, I guess, kind of the Commonwealth countries, right? It's mostly British, ex-British colonies that play cricket. Yeah. So it's like England, Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, New Zealand, Australia, us. Yeah. West Indies, our big team as well. Mm. And then there's a couple of African countries that aren't very good. Namibia and Zimbabwe, I think, both play. But okay. Bangladesh. Yeah, there's only like, <laughs> like there's like less than 20 cricket playing nations, but it's very mm-hmm. big where it's big. It's very big here. So what I thought was interesting, he said that his interest waned when the T20 became the golden child of the game. So one thing that people really find hard to wrap their head around with cricket is that a standard cricket match, the original test match, takes five days. Yes. So it's played over five days. So basically how it works is the... You'll have 11 batsmen and there's always two batsmen in at the same time because they cross over on the pitch. 
Um, so once you get 10 batsmen out, that's mm. the end of an innings. So a standard test match would have two innings, which means you have to get oh, everyone out. Yeah, for each side. Yeah. So you'd have to get everyone out twice per team yeah. for the test match to be over. So they'd allow five days for this to happen. Right. But not only does it take five days, after five days, it can still end in a draw. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So five days is actually the limit. And the reason they installed this limit is because there was one game that went on like 13 days or something. And then the English team had to catch their boat or something back right. to England. Yeah, because they, they couldn't finish the game. Yeah. Um, so that's when they instituted the five Mm. the five-day limit yeah so it's actually it sounds really boring but it actually becomes kind of interesting because oftentimes you'll know that you can't win and then Mm. it becomes about playing for the draw right and it sort of shifts the whole goal of the game which is quite exciting so if your team like if south africa is playing australia whatever if we know we can't win we know that we're playing for the draw and australia is trying to get us out before the time runs out. So yes. we're trying to get all our batsmen out. So it actually becomes quite exciting because you're like, yes, we're going to draw. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty cool. But so basically that was, originally cricket was always that. Right. And then they came up with one day internationals, which is where you only bowl 50 overs. So an over is six balls. So you'd bowl 300 balls per mm. side. Mm. And once it was, how many runs can you score with 300 balls basically for each yeah. side? And that was that. And that took about a day. Um, and then they came up with T20. So yeah. T20 was 20 overs per side, which is like 120 balls each, right? Yeah. And that became really popular really quickly because it was very exciting. Yes. Because people were just making huge shots and, and kind of going crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's a good spectator sport. It's over pretty quickly. Yeah. But what I found interesting was that, Dave, maybe this is a typical train gamer. He wanted the the five days yes. <laughs> the five days strategy fest of like yeah everything that goes into something like that and t20 that sort of mm. kind of like the michael bay movie of cricket was was not interesting yeah. for him yeah. um yeah but i'd say that these days um all forms of the of cricket are still played mm. uh, all of them are popular um we still often have like full test series where we play like three test matches in a row against side or whatever so if you ever feel like coming back it's not it's not all t20 out there yeah t20 is very much like a sideline entertaining kind of distraction marketing strategy (laughs) yeah yeah it's not uh, i wouldn't say it's even the most popular Mm. form of the game i I don't know what would qualify as that actually i don't know all forms are pretty popular Mm. for the countries that like them but yeah but t20 world cup and stuff is still pretty fun (laughs) to watch because of it all over the place yeah yeah, so Dave said, I thought you might find it amusing that for a period of about 10 years, I was a cricket fanatic. Hmm. But he says, now nah, you couldn't tell us anything about the current state of the sport. Are the Australians still the kings? We take offense to that, Dave. <laughs> we don't like the Australians. We are clearly the kings. If Lorcan's listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, I don't even know who's on top right now. Um, we're up there. Australia's still up there. Mm. Basically, I'd say the three... Like the four top teams are basically England, India, us, and Australia. I'd say those probably rank the highest, and then New Zealand is in and out of that mm. range. And yeah, some cricket fanatic is going to be like, actually, New Zealand <laughs> is now ranked number two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry guys. Yeah, so thanks, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, yeah, and then we also wanted to comment. Um, JC, JC Lawrence. Um. Often posts these really long responses to one of our episodes, um, especially ones where we talk about strategy or something of the like. Um, so I'm actually going to try and start archiving them because I think they make like a really cool, 
I guess I want to say like companion mm. almost because he takes a lot of time to write them. Um, but they often will make sense mostly in the context of having listened to the episode. Right. Yeah. So I remember someone archived them before. So I think I'm going to dig up that thread and start posting the responses there. If it was on BGG. So if I can, we can still do that. Mm. Yeah. And then maybe we can paste a link to that. Um, but I think it'd be cool to keep doing it. But yeah, um, some of the stuff that he mentioned that we wanted to talk about. <laughs> One thing that stuck out to me, I thought was interesting. We were talking about how... 1862 our play was pretty slow but i felt like it could be a lot faster mm. if we push the trains faster i mean he said that actually played as fast as possible it can you can buy the last trains or the last sort of rank of trains in the third set of ors which means that stock round four will be the last stock round okay. in the game which is super short i think a typical trajectory for 1830 is something like stock round seven, like yeah. seven stock rounds, seven or eight stock rounds. And that's what people playing quickly, presumably as well. Yeah. But he said stock round five is more typical for 1862. Okay. I don't know if that's the short, medium or long game. Mm. I don't know how long those variants have been around. I would almost assume that it's maybe the long game because that seems to be the way that people prefer to play it. Okay, yeah. Um, but I'm not sure you can correct me on that, maybe. Yeah, and then we were talking about... Um, stock trashing yes was that our last episode we were talking about yeah. that eh? yeah and one of the comments that he made which i thought was was worth highlighting um i won't go through everything he said because like i said i'll, I'll link it because it's good to read but um something he mentioned was that sort of selling your own shares or keeping your shares in the bank pool makes a lot more sense in a, a revenue heavy game which i think is yeah when you say it out loud i guess it sounds <laughs> quite obvious but i think it was interesting to note as I think it's always helpful to have these sort of shortcuts or these baselines. Mm. If you're playing a game where you can generate big revenues, then having your shares in the bank pool helps you a lot more mm. um, because you are pumping money back into your treasury. Um, what he also mentioned was using a, a yellow strategy, which is something that you played around with the other day, right? Was it you that in one of our games? Rudy did it in one of was our it, games. Oh, yes, it was Rudy, of course. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yellow strategy being keeping the stock in the yellow section of the of the stock market so that you can so that they don't count towards your suit limit yes yeah um, yeah that's interesting that's uh that's a cool way to think about it so if you if 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 you've got a company paying very big on dividends then you don't care as much about its growth in stock value you care more about the dividends exactly so, yeah. yeah so we were chatting about this before and we we're basically saying mm. as a general rule that makes sense mm. if you paying pretty low dividends then what you really want from your stock is to appreciate in value yeah so that means trying to have it sold as little as possible never withholding mm. sort of trying to constantly push that stock up mm. um, but if you're playing in a game with very heavy revenue you can keep it in the yellow and it doesn't matter that the stock's not really appreciating because you can keep pumping yeah. revenue in. Yeah, very cool. So I think an example of a pretty low revenue game is probably 1830. Mm. I find that to be pretty low revenue. Yeah. Um, and JC was 18 max, which we haven't played yet, yeah. but I have ordered, is apparently quite a high revenue game. Okay. Yeah. So I mm. think that's interesting. And I think, yeah, you can, he was saying that as a shortcut, you can kind of look at what the expected return on trains are mm. so like in 1830 like maybe the the early trains will get you like double digit sort mm. of revenues and then the middle ones maybe in the hundreds and then like the big permanence maybe in sort of the 200s okay yeah which is pretty low mm. we've certainly seen a lot higher than that but i've struggled to make get any big revenue runs i must say in 1830 mm. i don't yeah. know if you've had more success than me but 
Not for very time. long. Like towards the end, I've had some diesels run big routes, but they don't last long. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. I think once you break diesels, then... Yeah, the game's close to over. It doesn't last that mm. much longer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's how you can make 1830 a shorter game as well, is mm. pushing through those a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, some of his comments here seem to indicate that we are still... Still playing too slow. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, doesn't I surprise won't argue me. <laughs> with that, so I'm sure we do. Yeah. And the last thing I want to highlight, because I thought this was interesting, was that he, in his experience, anecdotal as it may be, he's seen a lot of sloppy play online. Um, and I think it's what I was alluding to, and, and I think where we kind of differed, um, where you were saying that you take the time to like analyze the whole board and you're sitting there and you can kind of check everything and well i was saying i like the accuracy of the numbers yeah but you were saying you felt kind of more aware of what everyone was doing when you're playing face to face yeah which i agree with yeah but i have a feeling that you would make do you think you'd make less mistakes online or less mistakes in person i'm not sure there's so many <laughs> so many mistakes <laughs> too many way. mistakes to count <laughs> yeah that's true i yeah. don't know it's difficult to say yeah, that is difficult to say. Yeah, I, I I think for me, I feel like I make more sloppy mistakes mm. online. I don't know if it's just a function of maybe acting a little bit too quickly, or just I think it is that thing of being like somewhat disconnected from the board state, where mm. I'm not holding everything in mind all the time. Mm. And I think it's also like you're kind of distracted, right? So you're doing something, and then you jump into a game, and then you jump back out of the game again. Mm. So I, when I feel like when I sit down and play an 18xx, I'm fully invested in that game for that whole time. Right, yeah. So my concentration or sort of like, I don't know what you'd call it, but just sort of my mental game is, mm. is fully invested into that space. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just jumping. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. Okay, auction. Uh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Kind of thing. So this was kind of funny because um, I was listening to the Train Shuffling podcast and they were talking about our, our game that we playing at the moment oh yes we're playing a podcast game with uh, the two of us and then the two of them and then chris whitpan from um wheel tapping mm. <laughs> and they were calling me out for my sloppy my sloppy, sloppy auction. private auction yes yeah so we were doing this auction back and forth or whatever and i agree this didn't really make any sense and it's a five player 1830 so money is tight yeah, yeah exactly so we were we were doing the auction and there was a private for 70 dollars, and i was gonna bid 75 and i was like oh let's just like save some turns and just bid a little bit more you know because if i bid 75 someone's gonna bid at least 80 and then i'm gonna have to go 85 because i was kind of thinking like no one ever lets you get these things for cheap mm. right so then i bid 80 and then you <laughs> you started the thing and then i bought it ended up buying it for 80 um and it turned it out if i'd bid 78 i would have been able to float in the first yes start you round. start with 480 dollars and you need 402 dollars to float yeah so you were two dollars short of floating the company but it's funny because had we been playing in person that's 100 percent something i would have known mm. and paid attention to yeah because i always do that i always count my starting money and then i see how much i need to float and etc 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 i don't know and for some reason i was just like uh are we doing the auction okay oh, mm. let's just go 80 for this one yeah and that's the kind of sloppy mistake i think you can make right where yeah. you jump in you put yourself in the game what are we doing auction uh i'm not gonna win this one or that one's done or i'm not gonna bid on the cna okay i'll just put 80 on this mm. You know, without really... Yeah, I can see why you would make that mistake, but also think you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. But I think, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where, mm. for me, there's something about that disconnect. But I thought it was interesting that 
for JC, who's played quite a lot of online games as well, I think he's he's noticed that pattern. Yeah, it's mm. not just me out there. Yeah, no, I can see overbidding. It. See it for sure. I can understand it as well. Yeah, yeah. But thanks, thanks for calling me out anyway, guys. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, everyone did pretty well in that, except except Chris <laughs> and someone else. I don't remember because I just remember my name coming up and <laughs> not doing well. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So there were a couple of things we wanted to talk about. Hey, a couple of little topics. I don't know where you want to start. Uh, so the top of my list is okay. Let's talk about this thing. Let's get this out of the way because this was such a uh, confusing whirlwind in my brain. So JC posted this comment in response to our podcast, mm. and it spawned this like three day long discussion specifically on this idea of calling games. Mm. So we spoke about calling games and I think we're both in agreement that games are the clear winner we're happy to call. Yes. Which I thought back on, by the way, because remember how you were saying that you would play for a higher position Mm. or you would be happy to play on for a higher position or whatever. I thought it's interesting that we've never wanted to call a game and someone's gone like, oh, but I'm fourth now and I think I can get to second. No one's ever cared about that. No, I wouldn't. If I were fourth thinking I could come second... And people wanted to call the game because there's a clear win- winner. I definitely wouldn't object. But if if it was still tight for first, then I would try and yeah. improve my position, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think mm. this is such an interesting thing because I think in Euro games, we always you would always finish the game. I don't think we've ever called the game in like a Euro game because mm. everyone wants to see how well they'll do. Yes. Even if we know someone's going to win, yeah. we won't be like, let's call it. We'll be like, oh, no, let me see how many points I can get. Yeah. But for some reason, this just doesn't translate. Yeah. Yeah. It's because we, we also kind of said like 18xx is almost like win or nothing. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it adds a little bit to that because we don't even tally the scores when we call a winner. We say, okay, you won and we don't bother counting mm. up anything. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting as well. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the reason most people are on board with that. Mm. But a gigantic, yo, a gigantic argument ensued because a lot of some, no, I won't say a lot of people, some people, JC included and some other vocal people were advocating for calling a game with a clear loser. Mm. And this melted many brains, including my own. Well, to clarify, to call a game with a clear loser without declaring a winner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So basically... If there is a clear winner or a clear loser, you call the game. So as soon as one guy says, okay, guys, I'm pretty sure I'm out of this. Everyone checks. Yeah, you're probably out of it. Then they pack up the game. Mm. What do you think? I understand the argument for doing that. So basically, I think this argument was coming from JC is that the, the person who's clearly losing, if you carry on playing, that person kind of becomes a loose cannon, which if I were in that position, I would be. I would try everything I could to upset the, the game just to see if I can improve my position. But also, we all kind of agree, improving your position doesn't mean anything unless you win. So yeah. I, can, I can see that argument for it. I, however, wouldn't want to call a game if I don't know who won. I know, it just sits so uncomfortably. So I went through many stages with this. So my first stage was, what? <laughs> I just literally couldn't understand why mm. you would do that. Yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly what I said early on, but I, I remember posting like, guys, can someone explain to me why you would do this? Then the argument was made that the game basically becomes like meaningless or incoherent because one person is acting randomly. Hmm. So this caused quite a lot of back and forth because some people said, but I'm not going to act randomly. I'm not going to like spoil the fun of other mm. people. I'm going to 
try my best to improve my position, mm. which is no different from how I'd play if I felt like I did have a chance to win. Yeah. And that seems to be the main point of contention. So, yeah, what I originally I thought it was a thing of politeness. And then everyone was like, no, we don't care about politeness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was like, because one guy's having a bad time yes. kind of thing. But that wasn't it. It was this idea that it becomes incoherent. So I struggle so much with this concept because it seems to rely on someone knowing that they're dead. Mm. It seems to rely fully on, I know that I'm dead. Yeah. And I guess what I'm wondering is where this theaters over to the other side. Mm. Like if I feel like I have a 50% chance of being dead, am I playing properly still? Is that enough to keep me in the game? 60? Yeah. 70? I don't know. 80, 90. So I I understand where their position and where they're coming from. I just don't agree with it. Um, and I think the whole discussion is incoherent and we should just call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because we, we chatted about it and then it sounded like we were in disagreement. And then you were like, no, I think we actually agree on this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a tricky thing, but I thought it was such an interesting. I, I think a lot of people have a problem with calling a game without a winner yeah like a game demands a winner i think that's a lot of people's baseline thing yeah and i think a lot of other people were trying to make the argument that the way they'd play if they were behind and the way they'd play if they were pretty sure that they were out of the game Mm. was the same okay and that seems to be where the disagreement is yeah that some switch sort of turns over once you know yeah that you're dead yeah the last big contention point was can you ever know that you're dead right yeah because people make mistakes yeah people do make mistakes and i think there's so much going on in an 18xx that i there's so much that can still happen like the leader can make one one mistake and now they're out of the game (laughs) yeah so yeah i just unless there's a clear winner i don't i wouldn't want to call it i also think everyone playing the game should agree to call it before you call it like if one person says i want to keep playing then we keep playing in my opinion. yeah well i think that's their like kind of metagame is their general rule at mm. their table is like as soon as one player says i'm out mm. there'll be like a brief discussion like are you out if we agree mm. cool yeah yeah which is but i wouldn't agree to that because if if someone else were out of the game i might still have a chance of winning the game yeah so I would want to keep playing. Yeah, I think the argument being made is that the game isn't worth playing if one player is not acting in a, I don't know, a, a sensible, reasonable way. No, but everyone is dealing with this loose cannon in the game. It's now just a part of the game. Like, if you give it as a point, okay, sure, maybe this person will be a loose cannon who knows they're losing the game. Everyone has to deal with that. Yeah. So it's just... Yeah, a, it adds an extra element. It's still a game yeah yeah with a different element to it and i mean i don't know i don't know if i agree with like the loose cannon concept i mean i agree that you're going to try your best to win i don't know but that's the thing i feel like you're going to try your best to win maybe that involves making some Mm. big or risky plays but i think you're just going to go around like buying and selling everyone's shares despite them (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah so i can't i can't see it being something that we would ever do Mm. but i found it very interesting from a perspective of like I don't know if you'd call it game theory. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, it was most surprising to me that that all these people who I would consider to be very like competitive mm. were happy just to end a game. Mm. But yeah, there's there's something there that they believe that the integrity of the game has sort of been compromised in some way. Yeah, That seems to be the core argument. And it feels like something that people could just never agree on. Like to me, it's 
they're still a game. Like, I st- would still want to try and win if even with this loose cannon in the game, if, if we take it as fact that this person is a loose cannon, whether they are or not is immaterial to me. I would want to keep playing to see It's who kind wins. of tricky, though, if the person's truly a loose cannon, like literally not even trying to win, just acting randomly. Because I think as players in a game, you sort of have some, like, obligation almost to uphold the integrity of the game in the sense that you're all rationally attempting to win. I think you can protect yourself against an irrational or random player. I guess you could, yeah. But would it be fun? Like if you started a game and someone literally would just like buy and sell everyone's shares. Or what if he just only bought and sold your shares, but it was of no clear benefit to him. He was literally just trying to like damage you. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. It'd be pretty frustrating though, because it wouldn't make any sense. Like you'd be hobbling your game for no real benefits. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So, but I, I guess that's a different thing entirely because I just wouldn't play <laughs> with that person again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I also kind of agree with you. I don't think the person is going to end up acting completely randomly. No, they will still play to do as well as they can. I think so. Yeah, for me, I, even if I know I'm far beyond, I'm still, I've still find it interesting to try and come back and see. Mm. How I can come I mean, back. if I if I'm in that position, I will try. I might try things that I wouldn't try otherwise. But mm. I'm still going to try and yeah. For me, do well. for me, the it's interesting like where that line is drawn though, because I feel mm. like if someone is just behind but still believes they can win, they're also going to try things a little yes. bit differently. They're going to yeah. do riskier plays or try a new strategy or something. Yeah. And that to me doesn't render the game incoherent. So that's why I say like, where's that switch that flips where it becomes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can say where that line no, is. And I think, but I think that's the point I'm making yeah. is that I feel like that line is must be different for everyone. It must yeah. depend somewhat on who you are as a person or your attitude towards the yeah. game, rather than a function of game state itself. I don't know. There's a solution. An idea we've had before is to play for real money. Oh yes, yeah, then yeah. it does matter. Third matters. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's such a yeah. That would actually change the game as well, though. It right? would if you played for real money, where your your end game then value. winning winning isn't everything. And if if you're playing yeah, for real money, exactly, yeah. yeah. You'd rather come second, a hundred dollars beyond the winner, than lost. Yes, exactly, yeah. with nothing. Yeah. yeah, bankruptcy would really hurt if you were playing for real money. Yeah, <laughs> someone yeah. dumped a company on you, it would be really painful. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think it might be quite a conservative game if we played for real money. I don't know. It's kind of interesting because you know something JC always likes to say is that the only thing, the only money that matters in the game is the one dollar more than second place. Yes, but this would totally change that. Oh yeah, you definitely. Would, you would attach a value, a real yeah. dollar value, to your actual worth. Yes, which actually warps the game well it changes it from winning is everything to yeah. something else completely yeah and it would actually change the game quite drastically I yeah think, it will in terms definitely. of how we played yeah you know, jc wouldn't play that version <laughs> <laughs> would not would not fit yeah would not fit for sure yeah man okay so something else i want to talk about with you because uh, you did this was it was this in our this was in our podcast game you did this hey yeah the stock round two dump yes so we've spoken about this before because dan the rat bastard didn't it didn't he do it i feel like it was him that did it in one of our games um it was him he did it this originally okay. um, and it was that situation where yes, that's the right. stock price went up because it was 100 percent player owned yeah and then he dumped that company for the same 
yeah, amount for the same amount. Yeah. That's what I wanted to ask you because I didn't go back and check. I just saw that this had happened. Yeah. Did you lose money on this? No, it was player owned. Was it the same so situation? So it was a very similar situation. So what happened was after the initial, well, during the initial stock round, a company was floated that I was president of and was 100% player owned. So then I could sell it in stock round two uh, without losing any money. Although I did lose a little bit of money. But with my initial sale, I didn't lose much. So I had six shares, and I can't remember how the share distribution was otherwise. But um, so basically, it moved up at the end of the stock round. Obviously, you withhold for stock round. I bought knowing that I was going to dump the company. I was, I think, first or second to act during the next stock round. I bought four two trains for it. I think it was the only company operating because it's five player. As soon as you saw, see the four two trains, yes. you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So I bought four two trains, which I wouldn't normally do. Normally I would buy three to yeah. leave myself another train slot. But I bought all four and then sold. I could only sell five of my six shares. Okay. So on those five, I didn't lose any money. And then someone else sold a share as well. But now, so then I realized if I sell my sixth share in this company for $40 when it was part at 67, so I'm taking a loss on the single share, but it leaves me with enough money to float another company in the stake. So did someone buy up these shares that gave you space to sell it to the market? Someone bought one, yes. Okay. So, yeah, sorry, I said someone else sold one. Yeah, that's wrong. Someone else bought one of the shares from the market, one of the ones I sold. So that freed up a slot in the market so I could sell this. I'm selling this share at a loss now, yeah. but now I'm able to float to another company during the second stock round, which is quite interesting, I think. So we'll see how it Who did you dump this on? Uh, I think it was Eric. It was Eric or Johnny. It was one of the train shuffling guys. I think it was guys. Eric from train shuffling, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's the interesting thing is that you undoubtedly leave that person in a poor position. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty fair to say. They've got a company that they can't sell it's train locked yeah so those trains are going to rest at some point and there's going to be a withhold and the thing is you're going to push the trains even faster because you're floating a new company immediately so Mm. those trains are i mean yeah unless they can float another company and shuffle some trains around to free up a slot or something but i mean it's it's something they have to deal with which they're not going to be able to to deal with yeah 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 so it's it's interesting so there's no question that you've drastically like diminished one person's position right Mm. i think that we can safely say yeah have you improved your own position that's a good question i think i've improved my own position in that my next company which is now effectively my first company that i'm floating will be in a better position train wise yeah although it's a stock round later that this company is being floated but i think in that sense because this company will have on average better trains than normally the first company you float. I think it's, yeah, I think I'll get some benefit from that. But so, but the reason I, I kind of felt I had to do it as well, because I think the the share split was six, four. I think I had six and I think it was Eric had four. So if I didn't sell my five shares, he was definitely going to sell his four shares. Yes. yeah. So now I've got six shares at a very decreased market value. So it was either... I put up with that, in which case, so it, it, it was a, like a lengthy decision for me. I could either just buy three trains, three, two trains, and then sit through that, like have Eric sell four shares, and now I have this devalued company. Or I could just, because I'm first to act, or 
I act before him in the next stock round. I could just do it first. So it's in that sense, I think it definitely improved my position. Yeah. Like if, if I had six shares in a company now valued very little, I would have been in a worse position than I am now. Yeah, I would say that's for me is the most compelling argument that it improves your position. It's sort of because it doesn't allow someone it's, else so to... So it's relatively it improved my position relative to where I could have been. Because I think the real disaster was someone selling four shares that you they can only sell one. Yeah. So it's devalued and you can only sell one. So you sort of get, you kind of loot the treasury, but then... I'm you, kind of stock locked. Yeah. yeah. So it's difficult for me to float something else for a while. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is really hard because normally what you'd want to do is, yeah, sell down to like the presidency or something and, and float a new one. Yeah. yeah. Once you've emptied that one. Or at least get your value for, if you only sell one share, get its value back fairly quickly. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was an interesting spot. And so it's it's very similar to the last spot. Second time this has come up where because it was player owned, the person dumping didn't lose any value yes. on the stock. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually got another online game where something crazy also happened. <laughs> also fairly similar. Yes. Yeah. So this is a game I'm playing with some of the patrons. So I think it's Joe, Ariel and... Norm, yes, yeah, it's the four of us. It was also interesting. So in the in the first initial stock round, I think I had the BNO private, so I had the president uh, certificates. I set the power value at hundred, and then I think Joe could float a company. So he started floating this company, and I was buying some shares in that because it would be a while before I could float BNO. Or also, I don't want BNO to float. But anyway, it would have been a while before I could float anything else, I think. And then I think someone also started buying some BNO shares. So both of these these two companies' um, shares were being bought and Ariel was had enough money to float. So he was busy floating his company. And then at some point, Joe stopped buying shares in the company he was trying to float. He, I think he said that he thought all the shares had been sold. He thought it was player-owned already. But three of us were on three shares each in this company. So I bought the fourth share, and now I become president of this fully-owned company. And then I had, I think, did I buy one more share of BNO? I think I managed to stay ahead. I did manage to stay ahead in BNO, and BNO also floated. So going into the very first OR, I'm president of two companies. And Ariel is president of one company. There are only these three companies floating. So, <laughs> so this is pretty crazy. So I saw this, this opportunity for something that I'm trying. So I bought, again, I bought, so BNO was part higher, so it was first to operate. So I bought four two trains with BNO. And then with the other company, I can't remember. I think it's New York, New Haven, but it doesn't really matter. When it was the my other company's turn to operate, I spent all of its money buying one two train from BNO. So now BNO basically has 670 from the float of the other company, minus the four two trains that it bought. And the other company has zero dollars and one two train, which then got dumped on on Joe. <laughs> oh. That is so brutal. It's interesting. Yeah. So what did you power BNO at? Hundred. So oh, so BNO after all this, I think it has a thousand fourteen hundred dollars or something. Well, it had to buy the train, so it has a thousand two hundred and thirty, I think. Yeah, uh, and I'm president of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's quite uh, quite an Joe. interesting situation. Joe, you deserve it for all the hurt you've brought to us <laughs> over these months. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that is crazy. But yeah. That just goes to show how people, because 
Joe, I would say, is like experience. Like, I don't know. He always strikes me as a very good player. Yes. Certainly in our online games, he's made a lot of big moves and he's yeah. done a lot of stuff that we're like, well, this dude knows what he's doing, you know, especially our earlier games. And we were like, what is this? What is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> but he's been doing well. Yeah. Um, and he made a silly mistake. It was one silly mistake and now he's in a bit of trouble, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it just goes to show that you definitely can. Mm. It's possible to make mistakes. We are human after all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We are human. So sometimes flashes of... Yeah. yeah, not so brilliant emerge. Yeah. Jeez, yeah that so, puts you, what's interesting, I think, is how you play the position from here. I think we were chatting about that earlier, like what you do from I, this point. I think this company has enough money to just see it through to the end of the game without worrying too much. We'll see. Well, that's the thing. We were saying like you could either blow this treasury hardcore out, like just push trains very aggressively which could potentially be the play just to put enormous pressure on other players. Mm. Um, sometimes being the person, well, often being the person who's really driving those trains forward yeah. can be really, really good. There's also the safe option of conserving your treasury so that when permanents come around, you still have enough money mm. to buy those and just slowly pushing that stock up and up and up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and hopefully getting it high by the end of the game. Yeah. So I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, well, I'll have to see how the rest of the game plays out, but I have options, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure, but I'm just thinking like... But that's such a crazy situation that shouldn't happen. No, no, <laughs> that's that's very seldom going to happen that you're in such a strong position so early. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we can make an argument for calling this game. Well, I don't know. So Ariel was not involved in all of this at all. So his, his and my net worth are fairly similar at the moment. Mm. So I think there's still a game... But you have access to a huge treasury. Yes. Yo, I feel like it may be... I don't know. I feel like if you could somehow push those trains mm. super aggressively, mm. you could maybe push the other people out of the game. Yeah. But they just wouldn't be able to keep up with the rush. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm a little I'm a little close to being train locked. So I can't yeah. do it too aggressively if, unless I float something else. But no, Which I can't because I'm now putting everything like i'm trying to buy up to six shares in this company now okay if i can i didn't have six yeah. when it floated so yeah it's interesting actually i yeah. wonder it'd be interesting it's one of those things where you want to be able to go back to that point and play it out again yes. yeah. different ways and see yeah. see what kind of works out yeah yeah so i don't know it might be a while before i'm able to float a second company because i can't risk losing presidency of this one now so yeah true yeah we'll see yo 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 1200 yeah. bucks in the treasury and like stock round yeah what like two yeah <laughs> was that stock round two you had all of this happened in stock round one in or one oh, stock no round way. one and then a dumped happened in stock round so you're two, going to yeah. stock round two you go into the second set of ors with 1200 in a treasury yeah <laughs> yeah i bet that does not happen often yeah well for me the craziest thing is operating two companies in or one yeah i mean i don't think i've ever seen that not that, that i've played that many games but i'm that must be rare yeah, mistakes were made for yeah, sure that must be very rare that's hilarious mm. <laughs> shame yeah <laughs> all right sweet i think that's all our stuff we wanted to talk about em okay yeah should we do a quick south african yes south african little tidbit so i said to you i wanted to talk about hardy does yes hardy does you know it's a, you know a lot, a lot of us that realize hardy does is a real name I thought it was like a joke because of the sound they make. Yes. So Heidi Dars are these giant birds. They're, They're actually, do you know what they are? They're an ibis. Ibis, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. So if people want to Google them, that might be easier. Yeah. So Heidi Dar ibis, that's what it's called. It's H-A-D-E-D-A. 
Yeah. Um, they're really big birds, though. And what's interesting about them is that in South Africa, I don't know where their populations are otherwise. But in South Africa, it's sort of this weird oddity that they they found that they really liked residential areas. Mm. They're not supposed to be mm. in residential areas. I read like a little article about them once before. Right. And how they just sort of came to thrive in sort mm. of like south african residences yeah but it's very odd because they're these giant birds that you just see trooping around your garden (laughs) and they're not scared no really i once saw you know how cats chase birds yeah (laughs) i saw a cat run up to a hardy down the hardy just just stared it down and then the cat kind of (laughs) like okay i'll get out of your way then (laughs) yeah so they kind of like they're they're a bit of like a south african meme almost like like kind of a joke here and and people make a lot of jokes about them and stuff because they're very loud very loud very noisy so you'll hear them in the morning they're like they always shout or do their call when they take off yes yeah so you'll hear them in your garden in the morning at like six in the morning you're like oh, shut up body <laughs> yeah but they're, they're quite interesting birds so they've got these sort of like long curved beaks and they you'll see them just digging in the ground they basically look for worms mm. so they just like plunge their little beak into your grass and walk around your garden like that so they're quite like like walkabout birds i don't know what you call them i mean they can fly pretty well but they you'll mostly see them walking around yes. they sort of fly from place to place but they're comfortable walking yeah. around and digging for food yeah. that's sort of how they roll yeah but they, yeah. they it's such a i think it's it's kind of like a little weird south african oddity that these giant birds that have no place being these in dinosaurs like a, from the yeah <laughs> exactly that have no place being in like a residential area just thrive yeah. in residences and are just plaguing everyone's house yeah you're in some giant poops guys oh yeah if your you're... car gets splattered by Hardy door Oh, man. I kind of like them, though. I've, like, learned to appreciate them. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's one of those things that I'll miss if I don't see them, but I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, like, they often see them in my garden and stuff. I'm like, what's up, dude? (laughs) There's just something cool about seeing this giant bird in your back garden. You're like, huh. Yeah. yeah but i'd i've been wanting to mention them because i forgot about them but mm. yeah you forget that they're such a yeah but it's it's a good question like where else do they occur i don't know yeah i wonder if i can google it yeah. we we cut out my like 12 seconds of googling this yeah okay so they basically are south african birds eh? Mm. i mean like i think it's... there's ibis all over the world yes but this variant or whatever it says they live in open grasslands savannas and rainforests especially along wooded streams okay yeah whatever they live in people's houses <laughs> oregon zoo get it right <laughs> apparently you can see it hardy dot the oregon zoo oh okay well i'm assuming so since there's a bunch of information about hardy does on their thing yeah yeah, so it's sort of this weird thing where, I don't know, they their weight is 2.8 pounds. What's that in kilograms? Uh, I think it's like a little over one, like 1. Okay. 1.3, 1. 1.4, something yeah, like that. That's a lot for a bird. They are, they are not globally threatened. <laughs> <laughs> they do the threatening. <laughs> oh, here's an interesting factoid. Okay, in the early 1900s, they underwent a marked decline in South Africa due to hunting during a period of colonial expansion since 1910 they've been expanding towards western africa probably as a result of reduced human persecution i wonder if people ate them following legal protection oh wow so the government is to blame (laughs) (laughs) yeah they must have eaten them i guess right i mean they're not i can't think of any other reason they'd hunt them 
Well, so that they shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Could be that too. Maybe they like just taste like giant chickens. I don't know. I'm surely people would. We would know of people eating them if they tasted like chicken. Oh man, I would happily eat a hardy dar. Hundred percent. That would be an experience. It's probably because they're protected. That's why we don't have hardy dar on the menu around here. Maybe. Hmm. Can you imagine if they weren't though? Maybe we should look into that. Get the law changed and open a restaurant. Yes, he can. <laughs> just be like a revenge restaurant. Everyone would just come there to eat them. Let's uh, see you wake me up at 6 a.m. now. Guess what the background music will be. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh. Hardy does. They're pretty cool. I like them. Still eat them, but I like them. Cool, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Yes, um, yeah, Hopefully, we'll get a play in soon so we can chat a little bit more about our plays. We've definitely been slacking there yeah we'll try and get a plane on thursday so that we have yeah a play to discuss again maybe 18 a.m yeah but i hope you guys are enjoying our random topic banter (laughs) regardless yes we are diehard sticking to our weekly yeah weekly format so here we go yep but cool thanks everyone cool thanks very much cheers bye if you would like to get in touch with us, we are at derailed18xx on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us, derailed18xx at gmail.com. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash derailed18xx. Thanks for listening.